my leg is getting tattooed. I'm like laying down. And this guy was like, are you reading comics? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Welcome to Tencent Takes, the show where we chew the scenery with gusto, one issue at a time. My name is Mike Thompson, and I am joined by my co-host, the four-color femme fatale, Jessica Frazier. Oh, it is I, and I am many colors. (laughs) I mean, if you're not following Jessica on TikTok, you should, and see all of her rad tattoos she's been getting. (laughs) It's a journey, everyone. Come along with me. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm good. I have a new tattoo. You know, life is life is good. Awesome. <laughs> well, if you are new to the show, our main episodes drop every other week and provide in-depth looks into interesting moments in comic books and how they tie into pop culture and history. But today is one of our Dollar Bin Discoveries mini episodes that we do in between those deep dives. The general premise is that we spend a lot of time rooting through dollar bins at local shops looking for interesting stuff, and while a lot of the issues that we find are fun and weird, there may not be enough in those for us to do a full deep dive on, but that's just at the moment we reserve the right to change our mind and come back later. Each of these mini-episodes features both of us talking about one random issue that we came across in the dollar bins, and talking about what it is, what goes on inside it, and why it's interesting. These are mini-episodes that are meant to provide you with some weekly content in between our more in-depth discussions, and as always, we hope you enjoy them. So, uh, Jessica, it is mid-December. Did you find something holiday-themed in the dollar bins? Inadvertently. Really? Yes. I will say inadvertently. All right. Maybe even the title will tell you why. So... This is Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, issue number 53 from April of 1981, titled Toys of the Terrible Tinkerer. That's the only way it's like any in any way holiday related. (laughs) It's just toy related. okay? but it feels very adjacent, adjacent. So this was written by Bill Mantlo. Penciled by Jim Moore, inked by Frank Springer, lettered by Jim Novak, colors by Ben Sean, edited by Denny O'Neill, and editor-in-chief was Jimmy Shoots himself. So, <laughs> plot, if he ever listens to that, he's going to feel so disrespected. Or, or he's going to be very excited that he lives among us with nicknames. I died, whichever. Uh, you know, could go either way. Let us know. <laughs> so. <laughs> plot. Peter Parker is heading home from a disappointing day, being not great at his day job, when he sees a woman in distress who's raving about toys and is threatening to jump off of a very high building in order to get away from them. And, of course, Peter Parker just has to get involved. So he puts his web shooters on in a phone booth, a la Superman, and shoots web in his own face to hide his appearance. yeah that checks out (laughs) yeah and okay side note he i didn't write this down but side note he talks about the fact he's like it's really itchy in here i'm not looking forward to having to put that mask back on (laughs) and i'm just like my guy must have such bad acne 
Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I bet I bet his face is... Either he's got a really good skin routine, or his face is just absolutely spotted. Which would mm. be very sad for him. It's hard. It's hard to be a spider with acne. Yeah, I mean, he was still at that point in time, like, being portrayed as, like, that late high school or early college student, I think. So, you know, checks out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe at this era, he was out of college. Uh, it, it seemed to kind he, of bounce around. I mean, around. he did have, like... I mean, he had a, this job most of his life, so I guess maybe his job isn't the the point that we should like anchor him to when we're talking about his age. But no. you know, yeah, he he did seem like he was kind of young adult, as it were. So he shoots Webb in his own face to hide his appearance. He almost bungles saving the woman and a cop who was like, "I got you. Wait, no one's got me." Like that was the line, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and as they're falling, he's—I mean, Spider-Man's just like bungling it, and he's just like can't really see because he's got web on his face, and he's making little things that they can kind of bounce off of, you know. And but then everyone's like, he's dropping them on purpose, and it's like he's clearly not. Like he's clearly the only one involved in helping <laughs> them in any way, but the whole crowd is like upset about it somehow. Anyway, and they're like, is that Spider-Man? It's like, who the fuck else climbs up walls like that? They're like, it has to be. Yeah, no, this guy's got it. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, how many other people are you seeing rolling around the city like this? Anywho, saves the lady. Then he's like in the room where she was trying to figure out what the hell happened. And he ends up figuring out the woman may have been onto something and is looking around the room in the building he just saved the woman from when a huge man attacks him after he's also sprayed in the face by a jack-in-the-box clown with some sort of confusion, like, mind agent. Hmm. And the man Peter Parker is fighting ends up being incredibly strong and flies away from the scene with the loot that had been in that room to begin with. And he, like, has this, like, backpack that, like, a little go-go gadget helicopter comes out of. And Peter Parker's like, whoa, that's not normal. (laughs) So after gearing up with his actual spider suit, you know, I don't know why he didn't carry that shit around to begin with. Peter Parker tracks down the man and he just happens to be in a lair of toys. And the man himself ends up being a toy named Toy. And he is in control of the Tinkerer who explains that he has been overall just fucking with Spider-Man for a while now and actually gives different points from other issues where he has been involved. For example, he states that he was the one who had taken control of the Spider-Mobile at a different point and that he had also sent another... Yeah, the Spider-Mobile. So at one point he like loses control of the Spider-Mobile and Tigger's like, ah, 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 that was me. <laughs> and then, you know, and then he's like, at another point, he said he had sent another previous foe named the Rocket Racer. And I guess he was a toy too. Yeah. Side note, both that, toy and Rocket Racer are African-American men, are black men. Hmm. Fun fact. Put that away in your little brain ski later when jessica starts talking about this comic so spidey ends up in what is basically a giant claw machine and escapes the giant claw and winds up throwing toy directly into the the path of some sort of stun gun that the tinkerer had trained on spidey so toy Mm -hmm. is effectively destroyed and the tinkerer is distraught at having killed what he considered to be his child So Spider-Man flies away because apparently 
that trauma won the fight and the bad guy was effectively ended because he's sad now? I don't know. That just it just ended yeah. there. He just left. Did it end on like a to be continued note or was that like it? No, he just left. He's like, well, wow. guess he's sad enough kind of a thing. And I was like, is is he? <laughs> I mean, you he's know, definitely not coming back for vengeance later. Like the cops didn't come or anything like there really wasn't. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, so I feel like like this is kind of anecdotal, but like every comic I have from before the mid 80s. They were almost always pretty self-contained stories. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't like end on cliffhangers or to be continued. They would always kind of wrap things up. I don't know. I, I feel like this was a, a storytelling technique that was, you know, derived to boost sales, which would check out oh, with yeah. the 80s since that was like, you know, capitalism's heyday. One million percent. I could be way off on this, but. It's just a lot of times like they would wrap things up in a bow in ways where you're like, wait, but you didn't really resolve anything. (laughs) mm, You you could be way off, but I suspect, I heavily suspect you're not. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, thoughts. I mean, it was it was a fun story. It did get really intense at the end when with the idea that the tinker thought of toy as his child, because like, would you put your yeah. child in that much danger? Like all the time he's in danger. I was like, OK, whatever, my guy. I mean, the tinker has come back every now and then as kind of like a supporting character. I, I think he shows up as like one of the Thunderbolts eventually. But I oh, can't remember. Fascinating. For certain. I, oh. I might be I might be off. It might have been another kind of like tech oriented villain. I don't oh. I don't really remember. it. Yeah. Like, that is interesting. I mean, it now kind of makes me wonder. I have not looked up anything about this comic. So yeah. I have no idea if it's worth anything, if it's I literally picked it up in the dollar bin. So probably wouldn't be. Mm. But it's just one of those things where it's like now I'm like, huh, does this guy hey, show man. up in more places? Is this one of those issues where they're like, oh, that's where that other dude showed up a bunch of times. I don't know. Someone else. Tell me. Jake, tell us. <laughs> yeah, Jake and Jesus. Jake and Jesus, us tell us. <laughs> He's come about again, like, you know, again and again, like Marvel Snap has a location card right now for the Tinker's lab. Um, what? Like that's, that's okay. Yeah. That's weird. That's weird that I would just kind of bring that about. Yeah. Hmm. Here's the other thing, though, is that just because it's in the dollar bin doesn't mean that it's not worth anything. Like the stuff that I have found in dollar bins, I have found books that are worth some some pretty reasonable money. Like even that ALF issue that we talked about recently, ALF yeah. 48, like even in the ratty condition that it's in, I could probably sell it for like 20 to 30 bucks. Um, okay. I found rare variants. Like I recently found a hollow foil variant of Crimson number one from from Image Comics back in the 90s. And that, you know, I don't know if it's worth this, but the amount that I've seen people asking for it on eBay is 50 to 100 bucks. And it's in great condition. You just got to be patient, you know, and you can't go in expecting to find treasure every time. But every now and then you do. Hmm, Totally fair. Totally fair. Here's the thing. I go in opposite. I expect I will find nothing but just things that belong (laughs) in the dollar bin. (laughs) I'm just like, this is where you belong, isn't it? I'll just go ahead and take you home. You need a new home, don't you? I'll take all of the trash. It's mine now. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We are the dollar (laughs) bin goblins. We are. (laughs) Oh, so yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, my thoughts. We didn't get into my thoughts. Here we go. Mm-hmm. We did kind of, but let's get further. I do like the fact that they brought the Tinker into so many other issues. I like the idea that he'd been kind of quietly working against Spider-Man, even when he wasn't actually present in those other issues. And it didn't even really feel like retconning because it was a believable set of characters to be under the Tinker's command. Like, it seems believable that he could get the Spider-Mobile under his command or that he could send another person who was also you know a believable android yeah i so i i like that stuff and i mean a lot of times they would sit there and kind of plant seeds for it and so i'm curious if like we saw them in the background of those issues but who knows yeah i wonder that too but i yeah since i just have this one i kind of just have the the island of of not knowing but i i wonder yeah. that too so it would be interesting to go back and check it out yeah so one thing i will mention about this tinkerer character is that he is an old white guy but he makes all of these toy foes to fight spider-man that are made to look like realistic strong black men Hmm. i don't know how i feel about that (laughs) i don't i don't feel good about it i don't feel good about it yes it's it's giving bad vibes is all i is all i'm really gonna say on the topic is it's giving bad vibes I just think it's an interesting choice. It's serving problematic realness. It is serving incredibly problematic realness. Yeah. Uh, so I also did find it interesting once again that the crowd was written to turn on him so quickly when he was like the only one helping. <laughs> like there was nothing anybody on the ground could do. No, he really can't. Like, sure, there were like. <laughs> there were like firefighters and stuff, but like legitimately, what were they going to do? Like absolutely yeah. nothing. He, this is the only motherfucker climbing up a building and, and, and you're going to sit here and like boo at him. Like, I really don't understand. <laughs> it's New York. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, mean because they're in New York, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's the general gist is that New Yorkers are mean. <laughs> I <laughs> listen, New York, prove my wrong. <laughs> I, I don't believe you're all mean. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, listen, that was that was my read. I did have a good time reading it. It was it was a fun story. But what about nice. you? What you been chewing on? So I found the two issue miniseries of the darkness Superman crossover. And so I read the first issue uh, and this is from 2005. It is written by Ron Mars, penciled and inked by Tyler Kirkham. Additional inks were done by Don Ho, Tom Barr and Matt Banning. It was colored by John Starr, lettered by Dennis Heisler and Robin Spahar. And it was edited by Scott Tucker. And (laughs) do you know the darkness? Have you ever, have you ever seen what the darkness looks like? No, no. Okay. Um, we're going to do an episode tying into this at some point about this because it, it's actually, it's, it's a much deeper rabbit hole than you would expect. But the darkness is an example of mid nineties, extreme grit in comics that's managed to stick around in terms of pop culture success. So the comic stars, a mob hitman named Jackie Estacado, who gains this sort of it's like a supernatural curse, but it also like grants powers 
it's something called the darkness. It basically it's passed down his family line and it grants him a number of abilities that usually manifest as like some kind of mystical armor that grants the usual strength, durability, all that. And then he has the ability to summon what are called darklings, which are these kind of goblin-like creatures. So this is extra cool with us now because we're, you know, the dollar bin goblins and we have a (laughs) goblin mascot. Yeah, we do. But the darklings do his bidding. And so this crossover came out right around the time that the darkness was at its peak popularity. New Line Cinema had just optioned the comic for a movie that never came about. There was a video game that was fantastic that was in development, and that came out in 2007. And this book specifically came out right when Top Cow was actually doing several intercompany crossovers with The Darkness. There's similar crossovers with Batman and Wolverine, which I haven't read, but I really want to look them up now. And anyway, like this comic opens up with like, you see headlines of, of the Daily Planet talking about how there might be a mob war going on in Metropolis. And Jackie is in the city trying to expand his mob family's presence onto Superman's turf. He is in an Italian restaurant and then Metallo, the Superman villain, who is working for another mob boss that Jackie wants to buy out. He comes in and there's a confrontation between the two where Jackie's goons try to gun him down. That doesn't happen. And then Jackie winds up kind of beating the hell out of him with his darklings. It's, you know, it's a fun little scene. And then it goes to the Daily Planet where it's revealed that Perry White is very focused on covering what is possibly going to be a mob war going on in his city between Estacado and this other boss. And (laughs) so like, it's kind of great because Perry wants his top reporter on the assignment. And so he assigns Lois to cover the story. And at this point in time, Lois and Clark are married. It's kind of funny. She's actually drinking from a cup that says like, my husband is a Superman and you know, and it's got the Superman logo. It's very cute. Jeez Louise. (laughs) Like it's kind of great. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so Clark ends up showing up to the meeting late because it turns out he was out literally stopping an alien invasion. He hustles into like the janitor closet to make out with Lois, which I kind of liked. Like, I love the Uh... fact that a couple who likes to sneak away. And then they have a conversation about what's going on. And Clark is not really thrilled, but he acknowledges that he's probably going to have to like defend this mob boss from Estacado because he doesn't want the violence spilling over to affect the rest of the city. And then we get some in-between stuff where like Superman goes to save a train while Jackie is having a conversation with his right-hand man, Butcher, about how Metropolis is a good spot to operate out of because Superman is like too busy dealing with the world-ending threats. And so if Estacado's operation like runs smoothly and under the, you know, kind of under the radar, they can do really well. And he also like mentions how he thinks that Metropolis is a better location than Gotham City because he had a really bad run-in with Batman, which I thought was kind of cool. (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know, and then there's a showdown at the docks where Jackie shows up and like has a confrontation with the other mob boss. Estacado almost shoots his rival, but then Superman appears and deflects the bullets. And then Lois and Jimmy are off on the side observing everything and doing reporting and Metallo captures them. And then he shows up and weakens Superman after Superman's kind of smacked Estacado and his darkness form down a little bit. And... That's where it ends. It's on a cliffhanger of like Superman's weak. Lois is in trouble. We don't know what's going to happen. We know there's going to be like a reluctant team up. It's yeah. But like, to be honest, it's uh, it's surprising how much I enjoyed this comic. Like Kirkham's (laughs) art is really slick. It's definitely got that polished late 90s, early aughts vibe, but it doesn't feel quite as male gazy as a lot of 
a lot of the books from Top Cow felt at that point in time. I enjoyed the premise of how Superman got involved in the story. It plays more into the aspect of, I want to stop people from getting hurt rather than a power fantasy. And I actually really liked how much of a badass they made Lois. Like she is definitely played off as the more successful journalist. And there's even a bit where like Clark sits there and he gets kind of disgruntled about Perry assigning the story to Lois and how he should probably come along as backup. And Perry's like, nah, she doesn't need you. Like she can handle herself, (laughs) which I thought was great. Oh, salty Clark. Yeah. And then like Lois actually gives Clark a bad time and she's like, yeah, you're going to be on page eight and I'm going to be on page one. So snap a doodle. It was it was a really pleasant surprise. And the darkness crossovers are super cheap. I want to pick up the other ones, you know, after I finish this. Nice. Yeah. Very solid comic. Yeah. Well, likewise. So that covers everything for us tonight. We will be back next week doing a deep dive into something. I don't even know what that's going to be since it's my episode and I haven't figured out what the topic is yet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. But until then, we will see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson, written by Mike Thompson and Jessica Frazier, and edited by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who you can find at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. For now, the official podcast account is tencenttakes. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica spelled with a K, and Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop.